Good morning, everybody. My name is Jose. I want to welcome you if you are visiting Cypress Creek Church. I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor, and we, Cypress Creek Church, are a group of imperfect people. And everyone said, Amen, following one, the one and only perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm happy that you're here. If you're tuning in online, I want to welcome you as well. This morning, I have a question for you. It's very deep, so get ready. Actually, it's kind of deep. How are you? How are you? Like, really, though, how are you? You don't need to answer out loud, but I want you to think about how you're doing because the fact is that that question is so commonly asked, like, hey, how are you? And then we're all wired because we're Americans to say good. And you? And in some parts of the country, they'll actually tell you, or in other countries, they'll actually tell you how you are, and then they'll be offended when they'll say, okay, but I got to go. Like, you're actually telling me how you're doing? Let's do that this morning. How are you? I got three uh, normal responses that we get. Here's the first one. How are you? And you get the Taylor Christensen, just thumbs up. You know, that's what, Taylor's not always doing great. That's, that's not true, but he's always really good at doing great. And the fact is, is that if you are in Christ, your strength is in the Lord. And so we have the ability to be strong and be great. Anybody out there this morning? We who he who lives in us is greater than who than he who is in the world. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We know that to be true, but the fact is we don't always feel that way. Sometimes we feel like this kid right here. We may be a little tired. That's actually the second most common answer I get when I ask somebody, "How are you?" especially if you're uh, college age and, and below. I'm tired. I'm so tired. And the fact of the matter is, is that probably being honest, like you, you, we do feel tired. We're in an incredibly uh, fast-paced world and culture these days where there's so many things coming our way and it's hard to actually prioritize things and live successfully. And so we feel tired. You may be tired because you have little kids and you're, you just want sleep. That's good. Take naps. Ask us, somebody else in the room that doesn't have kids. We have kids. Maybe ask somebody else that doesn't have kids. Hey, can you just watch our kids while we nap? Rest. And then the third answer that I get is, is, is this. How are you? Does she mean it? Does she mean it? You know, when you do that or when you ask somebody, hey, how are you? And they gave you that answer, I'm good. Basically, that means two things. I'm not good, but I don't want to tell you why. Or I'm not good, but I don't know why. You know, you've been in that place. Maybe that's you this morning. And you're like, man, I'm not really good. Well, this morning, I hope that we all leave here with our strength renewed. I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. We are strong because our strength is in the Lord, not in our capacity, not in our ability to put a game face on and say, well, I'm good until I'm all alone, or I'm good until I'm actually honest with how I'm doing. We have the source of strength, and his name is 
Jesus. And so my hope is wherever you are this morning, if you are good, then I bet you know someone that is either faking it or doesn't know that they're not doing good or they're straight up like, man, I need strength in my life right now. Or you in this time, in this season of life, need to renew your strength in the Lord. I wanna talk about this chapter, Isaiah chapter 40. It's one of my favorites. I don't know if you have favorite chapters that you go back to in different seasons of life. A couple others for me are Philippians chapter four and Psalm 23. These are incredible chapters that I have bookmarked and I go to and I know that every time I go, no matter what my season of life may look like, I, I see something or read something new that refreshes my faith and encourages me in that season. Isaiah 40 is one that has been incredibly personal to me in this season. I have uh, used it in, in my family and, and friends. I, I've talked to people that are in the hospital through this chapter. I'll never forget one uh, time where as I was reading it with eyes closed, uh, 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 this amazing sister was uttering the word. She had, she had it memorized. It was so beautiful. Isaiah 40 teaches us how to renew our strength. And so let's go to God's word, wherever we are, however we may be doing, and ask him to renew us this morning. Who's with me? Before we go there, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this word that was true when it was written down and remains true thousands of years later. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, the author of this word, for being with us today. I pray, God, that you would speak to every circumstance and every life in this room. May our strength be renewed this morning in you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So to put context to Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet Isaiah is actually prophesying of what's to come 150 years later. So he just spoke with the king of Israel named Hezekiah, and they had just defeated, or, or uh, um, uh, half of Israel was defeated by Assyria and, and taken captive, and the other half wasn't. Hezekiah was part of the group that wasn't taken, and so Hezekiah's like, whew. We got, uh, we went away clean. And then Isaiah says, hey, but actually the Babylonians, this other people group are gonna come and they're gonna invade and they're gonna take you captive and you're gonna live as exiles in another land. So you're gonna be foreigners in another land. And then Isaiah says, but you won't be king. This will happen way later. And Hezekiah goes, whew, again and says, good. And then he writes these words to the exiles, again, 150 years later. This was written, by the way, 750 years before Jesus. We're gonna start in Isaiah chapter 40, verse one. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. We can stop right there. God is the God of all comfort. We can find comfort in God. Second Corinthians teaches us that he comforts us so that we comfort others when they're going through hard times. So you may be thinking, I don't know why this is happening to me. A, a, a easy question that is asked often is why do bad things happen to good people? My answer is I don't know, but I do know that the word of God teaches us that when we are comforted by the Lord, we can then comfort others that go through similar things. So maybe God is calling us to comfort 
others. Verse two, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord, make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Quick pause. This prophecy was uh, fulfilled when John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, and then Jesus came and did away with sin once and for all. That's what we celebrated last week as we closed our Summer Through Mark series, that Jesus died on the cross, bore the weight of our sin, and said no more when he resurrected and defeated death once and for all. That's good News. Let's keep on reading. Verse four, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh, Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder. Oh, Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the town of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Pause right there. We learn how to renew our strength First thing that we learn here is shout. Can we all say that together? Shout. Some of you may be thinking, that's what I'm talking about. I love shouting when I worship Jesus. I love shouting where I'm going through trouble and I say, he is faithful. He will see me through. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have strength because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And others of you are like, not me. I'm quiet. I don't like to shout. In fact, when people shout, I'm like, ugh. So this was a good week for me because not once but two times I got to go to a stadium to watch a soccer match. And if you know, I love the game of soccer. We can talk about whether that is the best sport in the world later. But I was in a stadium, and in stadiums, people love to shout. The first game I went to was USA versus Qatar. USA won. Woohoo! We were shouting in the second game was Austin FC versus Colorado Rapids, and Austin didn't win. One game I went with my brother, and he and I loved to shout in unison. It was fun, especially when we were shouting at the refs. You know what I mean? Like, that's the best part about stadiums. The second time I went with my lovely wife, who was like, don't embarrass me. Why are you shouting? I'm like, I'm in a stadium. This is a free place. I can just shout, and, and I don't know the ref, and I'll pray for him, but I'm gonna shout today. Uh, hey, that was a bad call. Boo! So it's funny that we shout when there's drama, you know? Like we love to, the stadium goes crazy when there's a little scuffle and in soccer that happens anytime somebody like barely hits somebody and then they flop and they roll around. They're like, ah, ah, and the stadium goes, no, boo. But isn't it like that in real life too? When we're dramatic, 
when something little happens and we make it a huge deal and then we all like, you know, we know it's dramatic, but we still love to get into that shouting match. Is that, you know, relatable to anybody in here? All these voices that are shouting on social media and the news that shouts, this is not the type of shouting that this is teaching us. This is talking about shouting about the goodness of God, shouting that he has won, that the victory is his. It's like when we shout when our team scores or wins the game. That's the type of shouting. We are to share our story and read his story. So this scripture teaches us that the flower will, the, the grass will wither and the flower will fade. And so it is with us. So it is with this season of life that we're going through that is making our life not good in this circumstance. But the truth is that, is that our story has redemption in it if we are in Christ. He is reconciling the whole world to him. And so let's shout and share our story. Share how maybe you looked at someone with judgment and then were corrected. And then you realize I was so wrong about that person. Man, I missed it. Or share that God came through in an amazing way through your job or in a relationship. And so he gets all the glory, not you or me. Let's share our story. You know why we do that? Not only do we glorify God when we do that and give him credit, but we also share with others the hope that is there for them as well. And boy, does our world need hope. Think about your neighbor. Think about your colleague. Think about those that, you're in, that are in your sphere of influence. There is no mistake that you are their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues for a reason. Share your story. And then it says that the word of God remains forever, that the word of God is our firm foundation. So read his story. Read his word. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active today. It is alive and active as we read it, as the Holy Spirit teaches us how to live to date is sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit joints and morrow judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Uh, Second Timothy teaches us that the word of God is there for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and building up, training in righteousness. That's what the word of God is there to do. All of this other stuff will go. It will flow. There's nothing new under the sun, but this will remain forever. My friends, let's read his story. Let's shout, share your story, read his story. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18, Paul writes this about this matter. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So although we're fading, although everything around us will go away, inwardly we're being renewed for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, which brings us to our second point that we're about to read, and that is that we need to look up. We need to look up at what is eternal, what is unseen, for what is seen will wither and it will fade away. The next 14 verses in Isaiah chapter 40 
are intense. They teach us about how awesome and majestic God, our creator, is. I uh, traveled my junior year of college. I spent the whole year in uh, the Netherlands studying, and I traveled through a lot of different places, a lot of beautiful cathedrals in Europe. And one of my favorites is the cathedral in Cologne, the city of Germany. It's called the Köln Dome, if you say it the right way in German, which I probably botched it, but I won't be corrected by any of y'all unless you're German. That is it. It is beautiful. You stand beneath it, and you can't believe how amazing it is. It was built around 1,200, and it took hundreds of years to complete. Think about that. And I was inside of uh, the Condom in 2016. We went back, actually, Ben and I went to encourage some uh, uh, ministry, some brothers there in this town called Andernach on the Rhine River, and we stopped by Cologne, and I sat in the cathedral and thought, don't judge me here, but I thought this, like, man, why would they build this so big? Like, think about all the money that Costa built this. Why didn't they do other things with the money? You know, two things, quickly. First, that's still there, and it was built in 1200. So they built it to last. How many things do we build right now that won't last 50, 100 years? First thing. Second thing. You know why they built it that way? To teach us how to revere God. That's what these next 14 verses evoke in us. This this fear of the Lord, not that God is mighty and is gonna smite us. No, that God is the creator God who could do that, but instead chooses to be close to you and me and calls us friends and son and daughter. So as I read these, maybe you want to close your eyes and imagine we have a beautiful church here. Imagine maybe that you're in this beautiful cathedral with the tall ceilings and the stained glass. And think about how awesome God is. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf? to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all 
to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. The second point that this chapter teaches us on how to renew our strength is to look up. If we were in that cathedral, we would look up and see the incredibly tall ceilings. We're pretty blessed in this area of the world. Well, at night, we can look up and see the stars on a clear day. We can look up and, and, and instead of be distracted by what weighs us down or what our realities look like right now, we can look up and remember that God is up there and is also present with us. This sense of awe is a true blessing that renews our strength. Proverbs starts that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we recognize that he sees us, we're like grasshoppers to him. And yet, he is near. And yet, he is close. Let's look up and rest in his reverence. The third, and this is how we close 27 to 31, is trust. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How often do we say this? Hey, God, do you not see what I'm going through? Uh, isn't this supposed to be a smooth ride once I give my life to you? Why is this happening to me? Have you ever thought that? Uh, these guys definitely did when they were in exile. God is the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. If God is for them, who could be against them? And yet they find themselves in a foreign land, exiled. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say, oh, Israel, God ignores your rights. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That is the strength that only God provides. I love how he calls out the young people, you know, because I don't know about you, but I see the Olympics and I'm not that old, but boy, I'm sure I'm feeling old the older I'm getting and things start hurting. I was playing soccer with the guys a few weeks ago and then something pulled. I'm like, I've never felt that before. It happens to all of us, apparently. And so I see these guys in the Olympics do what they do. And I'm like, sheesh, no way can they grow weary. Uh-uh. He's saying no one, not Olympians, even Olympians will become weak and tired and Olympians will fall in exhaustion. But who? Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. This word is translated three different ways in three different translations. There's trust, there's hope, and there's wait. I love how the three are interconnected. When we trust God, we put our trust in the hope that we have in him. And when our hope is in him, that's what 
gives us strength, but we have to wait. Worship team, you can come back up. There is a vast difference uh, between the way that we walked out of the stadium when the team lost uh, uh, AFC, Austin FC, thank you, and, and, and when USA won versus Qatar. Totally different moods. When USA won, man, people were going crazy and they were like yeah, high-fiving each other. Like, hey, do you remember that play and this play? And then when uh, Austin lost, everyone was like, another loss? Seriously? Like, this team, the coach, the players, that play, what's going on, man? Here's the thing. This game of life isn't over. But because our hope is in God, we already know the end. And that is that Jesus has won. Jesus will one day come back. And instead of a stadium filled with a fans going for one team, we will one day be in a stadium filled with all nations living what Revelation chapter 7 says in verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and four living beings, and they fell before the throne, their faces to the ground, and worshiped God. And they sang, they sang amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's where our hope is, y'all. But the game's not over. The game's not over. So let's stay in the game and hold on to the hope that he has won, that he has given us the victory through his death and his resurrection. The psalmist, David, wrote this in Psalm 37. There's a good chance that Isaiah, when he was writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that these same words came to mind from King David. It says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take the light in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. It's hard to wait. It's hard to be patient. There are three prayer requests that I hear most often is pray for peace, pray for comfort, pray for patience. We need all of them. And he's here this morning to renew our strength so that we can go out there and shout and share about what God's done for us, through us, to us. We can share that hope with those around us. And let's remember to look up Recognize how awesome he is. Rest in his reverence. And then trust as we wait on him. Be so kind and if you're able, stand and let's pray.